Welcome to the Essence of Health Tea Time Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shayla Toombs-Withers. As a double board certified family and obesity medicine physician with over 12 years of experience in medicine, I teach motivated individuals how to achieve their desired quality of life while preventing and reversing chronic diseases. It's tea time. What part of your health journey is most challenging? Is it the actual effort of sticking to a plan? The cooking and the meal planning? The exercise routine? Not enough time for everything you think you need to do? Or the confusion of it all? If you said yes to any of these obstacles, then keep listening to learn how you can smash these problems just by checking your email. You check your email inbox every day already, but what if checking your inbox brought you better health instead of the stress it sometimes can bring? Well, I have news for you. You can improve your health, get a jump start on improving your health conditions, and start to feel like a better version of you just by checking your email inbox over the next five days when you join the free Nourish and Flourish five-day challenge. You'll get health tips, actionable videos, a goal and habit tracker, and healthy recipes every day for five days. Better health is the best investment you'll ever make, and this is only a small investment of your time. You have nothing to lose but everything to gain. The Nourish and Flourish 5-Day Challenge was designed to set the foundation for healthy habits for life. Say yes to yourself today and sign up now at drshayla.com forward slash NF challenge. I'll also place these details in the show notes. The essence of health is in you. See you in your inbox. On today's episode of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast, I have a special guest, April Diaz. April has been a visionary and challenger her whole life. She's the founder of Azer & Co., a global coaching company all about activating women to live and lead with wholeness. Prior to being a CEO and certified coach, she pastored in two of the most influential churches in the United States for over 15 years. April's coached over 1,000 globally diverse leaders since 2013 and is committed to investing in historically marginalized people, predominantly women and people of color. April's an international speaker and has been published in over a dozen books. She's always been a tomboy with sparkly shoes. April's still crazy about her high school sweetheart, Brian. Together, they co-parent three kiddos in their beautiful multi-ethnic family and live in Orange County, California. Thank you for joining me today, April. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Same, same. Happy to have you. (laughs) All right. So we're going to dive in just really by having you tell us your story and your whole journey to finding wholeness. Mm. It's a long story because I'm almost 44 years old. So I will give the Cliff Notes version. That's young. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of life left to live for sure. Um, I mean, I think the first thing I would say is I have not found wholeness. Um, this company that I lead and this personal journey that I'm on is toward wholeness. And I think wholeness is a lifelong journey. It's not a goal. It's not a destination. It's not anything we can achieve. And I think that for me, it really did start like in the beginning. Um, I have always found myself outside of norms and outside of like 
what I was supposed to be as a little girl, you know, I was supposed to want to get married and have babies and take care of my husband and the family. I was supposed to like love all of the girl things. And I kind of did, but like, I, it wasn't like the, the whole of who I was. I wanted to be the first female president of the United States. I wanted I to own that. a hair salon <laughs> that was called If Looks Could Kill. I wanted to be a justice attorney. Like I had all of these other ambitions and goals. And I, so I, I, I never really fit in, but I, I felt like there was, there was just more there. Right. And so I think that's part of what wholeness has looked like for me is like, how do we continually expand and add capacity to who we are in a really holistic way? Mm -hmm. um, when I was in high school, I got sick with something that they just called post-viral syndrome. And I was really sick for a couple of months as like a 16 year old. And I think that was like my first experience with, oh, when my body doesn't function well, nothing else does. Like I missed my semi-formal and I was in bed and missed school for several weeks and things were breaking down that caused breakdowns in other areas of my life. And I think also a part of my story has always been leadership. You know, there, I was a leader from the time I was a little kid and I was called bossy because I was a little girl and I was like, I wasn't called a leader because I was not a boy. And I grew in opportunities as I grew older, but like my first job was a leadership job and a leadership position and have always kind of moved in that trajectory. So I think that in the last several years, there's been much more of a, an awareness and a marrying of my story from my past, from the things that I have experienced and been trained in. And so leadership and wholeness have been a really like very strong themes for how do we, how do we become more whole as, as humans, but then also bring more wholeness to leadership because what I see in leadership is not what I imagine for the future and not what I want for my kids to be handed uh, mm -hmm. in the world that they create. Well, you know, that, that first female president position, it, it's, it's still out there, still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Still available. Mm. Right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll, we'll see that change come. I hope soon. so too. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, I love so much of what you said though, about finding your wholeness as a journey, you know, so much of what we do in life in general is a journey. As we yeah. go year by year, we all are learning something more about ourselves. We're learning something more about the way the world works in our, you know, our position within the way that the world works. So yeah, that that's really true true about finding your wholeness and that whole thing being a journey but the other part to that is it also sounds like you're you're an adventurer and you're someone who's willing to take that adventure and take that journey and take those risks too so that you do find your wholeness uh, along the way so yeah I like those things that you said mm -hmm. and so what are some of the common concerns that women that you have worked with typically have about aging that you encounter how do those concerns uh, that you find tend to impact their overall well-being yeah, you know, we talk in our, our coaching work that our wholeness begins in our bodies, that really physical wholeness is the foundation of it all. And so if, so we start there. So, you know, how it, it starts with sleep, it's fueled by food, it's maximized by movement. And I have seen, and I mean, we work with women from like 20s to like in their 60s. That's, that's pretty common in all of the groups that we have and all the coaching that we do. It's women in so many stages. And part of what we hear consistently is like, no one told me these things, you know, whether it's 
puberty or it is, you know, in your 20s and your metabolism starts to change or it's in your 30s or like obviously menopause, like there's like this whole ruckus now about like, why has there been no, like, why are we not talking about like this ginormous change that our women, that our bodies go through? And so I think part of it is, is that kind of language of like, no one told me that this was, no one, no one told me about postpartum depression. Nobody told me like what would happen after I had a C-section. No one told me what it would be like in my forties when it felt like everything starts going wackadoo before menopause starts. And so I think that that's one piece is we were continually looking to normalize what's happening in your body and normalizing, not in a, what is always happening to your body is healthy because a lot of times we talk about normals and averages as like health markers. And that's not necessarily true, but then I would say the other part of it is there, there's an unspoken pain or tension around what is going on for my body is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I also want to reject that that is needing to be true, that there's right. a lot of what is happening with your body that doesn't need to be that way. And that you can experience more wholeness. You can experience more energy. You can experience more vitality. And in that, like to, to stop settling for what's going on, you know, like I've just had migraines forever, or I've always struggled with my weight, or I'm constantly having bloating issues or, you know, whatever the, the problem is, there's often a, like a, a tolerating and a settling for that current state. And so we want to push into that and reject that notion that like, it is what it is that yeah. oftentimes what it is could be so much more. And we want to see that change for you because wholeness begins in your body. And so if you open up that capacity or that potential, how much more can exist on the other side of it in other dimensions of your life and leadership? Yeah. Yeah. And that's so important. And that's true what you say it just because it's normalized or we may find it comforting that other people may be having these same experiences. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that it has to be that way. and doesn't mean that you have to sit in that. Accept it even. Right, exactly. There can be Mm -hmm. something different or more even for you. You know, we touch on the subject with women. uh, And I had another guest on a a previous episode where we talked about sexual health, Mm -hmm. pelvic pain. And, you know, one of the things she's a physical therapist. And one of the things she talked about is that initially, you know, it's something that women don't want to talk about, but Mm -hmm. it's a common concern, you know, once she gets on that door, so Mm -hmm. many women, you know, have this concern and they all feel like they're the only one because nobody's talking about it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it can be helpful, even like you said, from a standpoint of knowing that, yeah, you're not the only one, but also, Mm -hmm. yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. Yes. Both ends. We do a lot of both end conversations in our work. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If you're frustrated with your weight, taking more medications than you'd like to, have been told that you are at risk for the development of a chronic preventable disease, or just are not feeling in the best of health, then I'm talking to you. Why? Because you're tired of fat dieting. You know it's time for a change and you want a sustainable plan to improve your health. If you have found yourself at this place in life, well, I have developed a program that's just for you. It's called The Essence of Health and it's your prescription for transformation. My goal with this program is to give you the tools needed to create sustainable lifestyle changes within a group coaching setting, along with one-to-one 
individualized coaching to give you a personalized path to health that's just for you. The benefits are priceless. So join today. Head on over to eohcoaching.com to learn more. The essence of health is in you. And are there any myths or misconceptions that you commonly find yourself addressing or frequently debunking within the work that you do? So many. <laughs> I mean, I think that there's there's just a giant net in general over women about like how the patriarchy has just set things up for the way that it's all supposed to be, that our lives are to revolve around men or the people that we care for and that whatever is left is for me or where there is time, energy, resources, like that's for me. And so I think that that is kind of the most pervasive lie. I wouldn't even call it a myth. I would just call it a straight up lie, like a deceit thing, trying to hold women into a place that does not serve them or others or the world well. And so I think that we we work predominantly on that, just the, the reprogramming, the reimagining of what does it look like for you to value, invest, and honor yourself? And when that happens, so much more opens up, not just for you, but for everyone else around you. And so, you know, it's like the old, old, the old adage about like put the oxygen mask on yourself first. And I think that a lot of times for women, like we put it on just enough to like take a couple deep breaths and then we like take it back off and we like put it on everyone else. And then we're like about to die again or pass out. Right. Or like, put the mask on. And, and I think that's actually what a lot of self-care is teaching. It's like, just do a bubble bath, you know, go get a pedicure once a week. And I think a lot of self-care is like the quick oxygen, but then doing it everywhere else. I think that the better solution is self-leadership. And how do you actually lead yourself toward wholeness so that that oxygen mass is continually on yourself so that you're not giving from the scraps scraps of yourselves to everybody else and then barely in survival mode, but you're actually like breathing deeply and there is fullness of life within you and there is fruit all around you because of how you are first leading yourself. Yeah, I love that that concept too, that you said self-leadership versus self-care. That that's yeah, that that's a good a good tip. I there. don't think women are taught that, you know, because I think we we've been taught subversively and explicitly that men are leaders and that we are supporters. And so I think that a lot of that language even doesn't even make it into our vernacular because we don't think we think about men leading. So leading ourselves is like whole next level. But I actually think the most important person that you lead is yourself. And that is the primary amount of leadership energy and and efforts that need to be invested so that then the ripple effect is so much more natural and organic and easy because you have first led yourself toward wholeness and then other people can be led really well too. Right. Yeah. So true. You know, one of the things that I, I commonly talk about is being selfish with self-care and, and it's fine. It's okay to be selfish. You know, we're always taught that being selfish is such a, a bad thing, but when it comes to taking care of yourself, you know, it's similar to what you're saying with self-leadership. It's okay to be selfish. And I often teach, um, you know, I work with a lot of professional women and improving their health. And a lot of times it's that, you know, oh, I don't have time because, you know, I had to take the kids here or I had to do this for my job or that. And so, 
one of the things I often tell them is to be selfish, whether it's, you know, 30 minutes or hour, take your time for you first. Because if we don't take it first, then yeah, we are. We're going to give it away Mm -hmm. to everybody else and everything else. But Mm -hmm. when we take that time first, put it aside, then that way it's it's yours and, you know, you make it own and it's and you're able to do a lot of good for yourself so yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah I actually would even say I think it's selfless to do that I wouldn't yeah. even say it's selfish I think it's I think it is you know thinking of yourself less is selflessness you know and mm-hmm. it that doesn't mean that you don't take care of yourself it doesn't mean you don't honor your body it doesn't mean that you don't do what is first necessary but Again, like even if we're just talking about like the working out or the eating well or the taking time to be by yourself or to go just out with a think. girlfriend, like <laughs> just to think, think. yes, <laughs> like it's not. I think it's it's selflessness because then it allows you to be in other spaces really more fully and not be thinking about like how you're dying inside or how you just want to get away from all of these people or how you're tired of these children asking you for all these things. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're thinking about yourself actually more, the, the more that you are depleted. So I think that actually self-care or self-leadership is selfless. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even just piggybacking off of that, are there any particular like mindset shifts or certain even alternative practices that you recommend or you help women within your community to cultivate? Yeah. yeah. There's a couple of things that we say a whole lot. One of the things that we say a lot is that your whole story matters. And so part of like the honoring of your whole story is looking back in the past for Like where have there been like learnings and milestones and and things that you may even want to forget, but absolutely inform who you are today that make a difference in who you are becoming tomorrow and how it is that you want to contribute to the world. I think we talk a lot about an abundance mindset. Scarcity, again, particularly for women feels rampant. Like there's just never enough. There's never enough time. There's never enough money. There's not not enough of myself. There's not enough uh, resources to go around. And so the abundance mentality we i mean it is i feel like it is percolated into every single thing that we do like there is abundantly more than you could ask or imagine everywhere that you look and every every place that you set your foot and and who you are is enough so i think that's one big mindset i think there there's another mindset that we we talk a lot about like that we belong together and that we're better together and I think that's connected to abundance, but there's, there's a, there's a mindset of like, we're not alone and we don't have to do this journey alone. And you're not the only one. And the crazy tapes that feel like they're playing in your brain, they're not crazy. They're, they're human. And, and so like in the togetherness and the connectedness, like we are better and we will continue to move toward our whole self because we've got a sisterhood and and partners that are going to cheer us on and are going to really support us to become our whole self. And I think the last one that, again, we talk about all the time is you are your best investment. And I wish that I had that mindset when I was in my twenties. But again, I think that like for women, we are really quick to like drop down the credit card for a camp for our kids over the summer so that we stay in survival mode (laughs) Mm-hmm. Or we're really quick to like purchase the massage for the, for the, the quick self-care that, feel. That self-care of the week, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're really quick to like invest in other things, um, our kids' education, whatever. We can fill in the blank with a hundred things. 
but the investing in ourselves is often something that, again, is left for if there is anything left at the end of the month, at the end of the day, at the end of the checkbook, then I will maybe do something that is a deeper work for myself. And so, yeah, I, I absolutely love, I feel like that's such a, maybe the biggest game changer for women is when they go, oh, I actually am the best investment because the return on that investment is going to be exponential. It is catalytic. It is world-changing, not just for my family, but in my workplace and in my friendships and dealing with my generational stuff and all of that. So right. I think that's yeah, it, it you, kind of ends you know, yeah, we're a society of quick gratification. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, you're so right. We'll, you know, spend that money on those things that'll give that quick gratification. But then oftentimes those things are going to be more sustainable. Mm-hmm. You know, we aren't so mm-hmm. quick to do that when yeah. in reality, you know, putting that investment into yourself for those more sustainable things, it mm-hmm. makes all of those other things come more easy. And longer term, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like eating an ice cream cone is super gratifying in the moment, but like the longer term of like right. what you're putting into your body that's going to build long-term health and long-term wholeness, like, oh my gosh, like that is I don't even think it's harder. You know, I I think it's, it's simply like a shift in thinking and then in practices and then in the people that are around you that are going to reinforce and support you in those shifts. Right. It's it's multitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and community is, is so important in, in everything, you know, and I heard you mention it several times, uh, even within your group and it, it is so important, you know, it's, it, we have to know that, you know, that we're not alone. I just yeah. did a, a whole series uh, about mental health awareness. And so, and that was really a yeah. lot of the things that it touched on, you know, for a lot of people and they feel at their lowest point, they do, they are feeling that they're alone and that there's no one who understands no one who may be going through what they're going through. So it's so important to find that community and not so much people who are, you know, telling you you're always right, but people who are, have a listening ear, people who can be supportive, people who can uplift you and people who can lovingly, you know, tell you when you're wrong. Kick Uh, your butt. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so that is, that community is so important. And now what are some nutritional recommendations that you incorporate for those women who are needing more balance and wholeness? Yeah. So we, we actually have a wholeness assessment and we ask several questions around, I mean, all of the questions in the, in the physical are around your, your sleep and your nutrition and your movement. And one of the things that we have seen as a strong theme is the lack of water consumption. So like I have, this is, look, I'm even matching today. (laughs) (laughs) This, this deal is always with me. And there's at least three or four of these that I drink in a given day. So less of water or more of water and less of everything else. You know, I think that that is such a game changer when, when women start doing that, like it's, it's crazy what it opens up for them in how their pants feel on them and what they desire to like fuel their body with, with the rest of their food throughout the day and their energy level to actually move their body a little bit more. So, I mean, that's like, super low hanging fruit and it literally is free, right? Like right. get a get a water bottle and just start filling it and drinking it and see what opens up for the other side. So that's probably like the number one thing because we see it so consistently in our data 
I have so many health benefits, uh, you know, right. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, I, I do a lot of weight management. And so even a lot of times I tell people, a lot of times you're not hungry, you're thirsty. You just don't realize it. So if you would start mm-hmm. with that water um, and then recollect how you're feeling. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So start with like drinking a whole thing of that every day, you know, mm-hmm. and see where, see where it opens up. So, and then, you know, we just talk about with the, with nutrition or with like what, what, what it is that we fuel our body with, how can we eat more? colorful green nat like plants things that grow in the earth and as without the pesticides and out the extra stuff that's in there like fueling our bodies with with that and then paying attention to how your body feels after you consume it you know a lot of times as well i've got three kids and i know and you know run my own business and all the things right like all of the juggling and so it's really easy for me to be like shoving food in my mouth when I'm like in between things or eating stuff off my kids plates when they're like ready to throw it away or you know like grabbing something really quick out of the fridge for lunch because I'm in the middle of a bunch of meetings throughout the day and I have found that like when I can slow down and like see how things taste and see how my body is responding to it in the moment and am I actually feeling pretty good now or am I just mindlessly just eating everything that's on the plate And then afterwards, you know, paying attention to like, how did that make me feel? Am I getting an afternoon like lull because I just shoved a bunch of heavy carbs on my throat or like, did I, am I actually feeling the energy of that fueling happening? Mm -hmm. So yeah, we do, we do some kind of reflective questions, stuff around Mm -hmm. that, like paying attention. And, And when you do that, I think that, that then we become more of the CEO of our own bodies Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we can actually be more mindful of like what it is that our bodies need in order to be sustained and to operate at their highest level in this season because what's going on for me in this season is different than what was going on for me you know three years ago five years ago 20 years ago and so the the awareness of that I think again is Mm self-leadership to figure out like how do you care for this body that we live in well. And that's also that sustainability piece that we talked about, because, you know, what you might be feeling or what it's making you feel good right in this moment may not be the same thing, you know, six months from now when things are going on in your life. And so Mm -hmm. being able to have those tools in your tool belt to know that, you know, well, this is what I need to do with my nutrition to nourish myself properly and Mm -hmm. need to take note of those things. That's that sustainability piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. And then now let's hit on sleep because you talked a little bit about it. And so what are you finding of sleep or the lack thereof? What part that is playing in some of the health challenges that women face? Yeah. So, I mean, in our coaching, we actually say that your physical wholeness starts in sleep. Um, that is like the building block for how your body repairs and recovers and is able to like have the energy, right? To go throughout the next day. So, I mean, we talk about how sleep is at least six to nine hours per night. That's the starting point. Certainly there are seasons where if you're caring for a newborn or if you're caring for somebody who is elderly or studying for final last minute, like there are seasons where that's not going to be realistic. So lots of grace. We don't want to shame anyone for seasons of life that are are like prohibitive to that, but seasons aren't supposed to become lifestyles. So six to nine hours, like 
I, I don't think you can find any research. I mean, you can correct me, doctor. <laughs> if there's any research that doesn't show that the average adult yeah. needs at least six to nine yeah. hours per night. National, so- National Sleep Foundation recommendation is actually seven to nine, but they're like a, with any graph, you know, they're going to be two different people on the curve yeah. on each I, end. I'm good with curve. seven to nine. So I yeah, so absolutely can, take away yeah, the six. If, if six makes you still feel okay and not like you can't get through your day, then yeah. But yeah, National Sleep Foundation recommendation is seven to nine. Yeah, seven to nine. So we start there, right? Like that is, that is this, that's the beginning point. In some seasons, you're going to need more than that. So I think a lot of times for women, it starts with a nightly routine. Mm-hmm. It is what is going, what are you doing before your head even hits the pillow? that is creating the best environment for you to get, not just the hours in bed, but the actual restorative sleep that your body needs to Exactly, and, and that's what I was gonna hit on. So either whether you're getting six or whether you're getting 10, it's, it's about the quality, you yeah. know, yeah. really, and, and how are you feeling? And so that's the other, you know, important piece for people to know is, is to take note of that. What, you're, what are you feeling that next day? An analogy I often use, you know, being a mom, I'm sure you can relate to this, is that cranky kid that you have you know, when they're little and, and they haven't had a good nap even. And, they might fall out just for anything because, you know, you gave them a, a blue popsicle instead of an orange one, you know, <laughs> and nothing you do is going to be right because they're tired. Well, we mm-hmm. still do the adult version of that, you yeah. know, when we haven't had sleep. Nothing seems yep. to be right. We can't figure out what we're doing. You walk into a room, can't figure out why you're there. Yeah. Sleep. Sleep does play a huge Yeah. Part. I mean, it plays out in everything. It plays out in our relationships. It plays out in our mental health. It plays out emotionally. One of my old mentors used to say that sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is sleep. Mm. And so, yeah, the taking the nap in the middle of the day, like a 20 minute kind of power nap of laying down and, and, and letting the rest of the stuff go can be really, really helpful. I also like a lot of, a lot of times women see some pretty quick changes with simply like going to bed at the same time every night and waking up at the same time every morning. Like, because we are creatures of habit, like we are designed for systems and for rhythms. And so as we sleep is a huge part of that, if if that is a good third of our day, then going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time helps our bodies to get into a rhythm to be able to like actually get that deeper sleep that is restorative. So those are, I don't know, a couple of things that came to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Those are awesome for sure. Yeah. And so before you leave us, is there any just kind of wrap up thing that you or tip that you would like to leave for our audience that's listening on this journey to finding their wholeness? Yeah. So I, um, I've had another weird blip in my own physical health in the last couple of months. And I got really sick after a trip that I'm on week nine now, and I'm still in recovery for about five weeks. I was almost non-functional which is not me at all. Like I'm usually super high energy, get a lot of stuff done. I'm never sick. Like it's been a very odd turn of events in my body. And I think one of the things that I have learned again, you know, sometimes the universe just keeps putting things back in front of you over and over again to learn. And I think that, I think that what these last nine weeks have done for me is to remind me that one, I need to listen to my body and really pay attention, like not just listen and be like, oh, that's what you're saying, but to then respond to it and do it. I think I've relearned how important rest is and that like to sleep and to let your body repair itself can't be done if you're just pushing 
and you know prodding and like really like demanding your body does something that it's not able to do at the moment and so the rest for me was I mean I was spending Dr. Shayla like 16 to 20 hours a day in bed for like five weeks and it was so frustrating on so many levels but like the next thing would be like to trust your gut like not only to listen to your body but then to trust and and I think that there was a deeper level of trust that I had that like this is what my body needs right now and I'm going to give her what she needs and like we're in the middle of like some really big business stuff and like some major like CEO moves I was needing to make and I literally had to be in bed. I literally had to rest and I binged Gilmore girls again and <laughs> slept my days away and drank a lot of green tea. And like, there was, there was a lot, but like trusting that, like, that's what I actually needed to do. Not that I needed to push my body, um, to do something that she wasn't able to do. And then entrusting myself, even with medical professionals, you know, and in doing my own research and doing my own education around like, okay, I am the one that lives in this body for 43 plus years. I have lived in this body. I am going to create an army of people around me, medical professionals and experts that are going to inform me, but they may only see me for 20 minutes in the span of these next two months, Mm -hmm. but I'm living in this body and I am, and I know what she has done and what she's capable of historically and currently. And so the trust of like, I'm going to make some decisions that even if they aren't exactly what this doctor is telling me to do, that I live with both the consequences and the rewards of how I care for her. And so I'm going to trust if I hear something that doesn't feel right to honor that and Mm -hmm. I can still go back to it, but I know I'm giving you a really long answer, but I I felt felt like- No, that's important because you're advocating and and there's nothing wrong with an advocate for yourself as as well as, you know, if if you weren't able to advocate for yourself to have someone to do that for you. And even in in the medical community, there's nothing wrong with getting a second opinion. You know, we aren't always right. Yeah, I think think I've been taught and I think I'm not the only one that we we not only need to advocate, but like oftentimes we also abdicate- Mm -hmm our responsibility and our personal, our power, you know, our, our, our inner knowing of what is best and what is right. And we abdicate that to all of the experts externally, like, well, this person knows so much more, this person has the education, or this person's had the training or whatever. And at the end of the day, like, there's, you are, you are living with your life. And so you get to be both responsible and have the privilege to lead her, to make decisions for her and to do what is best for her her present and for her future. So I think that, yeah, just even my own journey, like that's why I don't believe wholeness is a destination because if if that were the case, like I'd be the biggest fraud in the history because I lead a company that's based on that. And I have not felt whole these last couple of months, but I've certainly like, there has been massive growth within me of how it is that I, lead myself toward more wholeness because of how I've experienced loss and pain and my body not doing what it's intended to do. So yeah, I hope that answered the question, but that's that's a beautiful wrap up where we're, you know, what I got from that is that we're always growing and evolving and that may come in different ways for all of us. Um, So Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Well, April, thank you so much for being on the show. Now, how can my audience connect with you? 
Yeah, the best place would be to go to azerandco.com, um, E-Z-E-R and co. One of the things that I mentioned earlier is we have a wholeness assessment and I would love to make that available to your audience if they would like to take it. We very thorough in the six different wholeness dimensions and we give good resources and next steps to, to kind of take after you get your results. So that awesome. may be helpful if you're feeling like something isn't quite working the way that you want and you're trying to figure out like, where is that coming from and, and what do I do with that? Yeah. Awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes folks for you listening. So you can check that out for sure. All righty. Well, thank you so much, April. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Dr. Shayla. Thank you for joining me today on the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. Click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss a moment of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. Check out the show notes to obtain your free tips for healthy living guide to get you started on your health and wellness path. Follow me on social media at Essence of Health Wellness Clinic on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube and at dr.tw at eohwc on TikTok. Interested in becoming a member of the Essence of Health Coaching Program? Well, head on over to www.eohcoaching.com. The Essence of Health is in you.